what I did was in the process of standing in this line, I changed my minor because when I got up to the academic advisor, I said, the guy in front of me is minoring in this. Why can't I? Hey guys, welcome to my first ever podcast of Keeping It Cool with Vicki Coolidge. Today, I interviewed Debbie Coolidge, a successful businesswoman and my mom who had a really impactful story about her experience in the business world. Thanks for joining the first ever podcast that I'm making. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. So uh, people who know me know my parents are like a little older than the average parents. And my mom actually has a really interesting story into how she got into her career in business. So I would like to start by asking what era did you grow up in? Yeah, well, I think that's a really good place to start because um, I was born in 1955, which um, that does make me a really old mom. And I grew up and started my career in the 70s. In fact, I graduated from college in 1977. It's a long time ago. So back when you graduated college, what were women getting out of college to do? Like what careers were open to women at the time that you graduated college? Yeah, well, it was pretty narrow, actually. Women were nurses. Women were teachers, they were in education, not really higher education, but pretty much, um, you know, K through 12. And in the business world, women were pretty much focused on being secretaries. They weren't really given opportunities to do anything more than serve the men who, by the way, made all the big bucks in the business world. Right. So how on earth did you get to be so successful in business? Where did you even start? Well, I think it's interesting because when I went to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, I majored in German, but decided I was going to minor in business. And because I knew, you know, I wanted to somehow maybe work in the business world with my German. But it was interesting because when I minored in business, I was directed by my academic advisors into a secretarial path. Only I didn't realize I had been directed into that secretarial path until I was standing in line next to a guy to register for classes who told me that he was minoring in business administration. And instead of taking shorthand, which is something people did back in the day before we had dictation services, he wasn't taking shorthand, he wasn't taking typing, he wasn't taking, you know, the kinds of uh, things about like how to, how to create letters and carbon copies and all this kind of stuff. He was instead taking courses on marketing and economics and sales and accounting and um, computing back in the day where it was 80 column punch cards, but he was taking all these courses. And I just knew from listening to him that that is what I wanted to do. What I did was in the process of standing in this line, I changed my minor because when I got up to the academic advisor, I said, the guy in front of me is minoring in this. Why can't I? And so I was then able to steer my career from minoring in a secretarial thing to minoring in business administration. And so honestly, that's really where it began because I minored in business administration. And thankfully, I was able to pursue that. I actually think it's a God thing. I really feel like the Lord is directing my path at that point. Uh, 
after I graduated with the minor in business administration, it became the easiest place to kind of enter into the workforce. And back in the day, the EEOC, Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, was all over companies back in around 1977. And, and they were, they were on to these companies because these companies were not providing an equal opportunity for women. In other words, they were segmenting women off as secretaries and in, in more service-related kinds of uh, customer service areas and secretarial areas where women were not given the opportunity to make the big bucks that the guys were making. And there were, and there were no women in sales. There were no women in business-to-business -business sales. There were always women in business-to-consumer sales like Frontline Retail, Avon, Mary Kay, that kind of thing. But there were not women in business-to-business -business sales. And so the government was actually asking companies to look for women who could potentially be successful in business-to-business -business sales. And so they began to interview women for these positions. And when I then went for a number of interviews, when I showed up in the academic advising area of um, the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, where I graduated, they took a look at my personality and said, oh my gosh, she reminds me of another person we just placed in a sales role. And so as a result, I had the opportunity then to interview with several different sales companies. And I was selected primarily probably because I was a woman for a sales role as a district manager trainee at the Green Giant companies. It was a business to business sales role. My responsibilities were going to go to um, head out into brokerage firms who represented Green Giant into the grocery industry. It was a good old boys network. It was a man's job. And I interviewed and I was selected to kind of get started on my career as a result of the government intervention. And so even though, uh, you know, the government was like, okay, you know, we have the Equal Opportunities Act and you need to start getting women in the workplace. How were you like viewed in a business setting? Did men look down on women who were in these roles because it used to just be a man's role? I think it was kind of interesting. The world at that point was changing, right? So this is the late 70s. And so I think there was, I think this is really, I think this is a really interesting question because I think that there was a fair amount of acceptance for women being pulled into those roles. I think initially some of the women were, and, and I recall there was at least one older gentleman who didn't like the fact that I was now in a professional selling role. So, you know, there were some, I think the younger men who were maybe my, more my contemporaries, they were in my twenties you know, maybe they were in the twenties, early thirties, were much more of accepting of women coming into the marketplace. But, um, the older, the older guys totally felt like we were stepping in and taking a job away from a man. And so they didn't really appreciate it. It, it, that also brings up another another thought I had, though, because it wasn't just in the workplace that professional women faced discrimination. Some of the, and I hate to say this, but some of the biggest discrimination I ever felt was actually in the church because so many of the women were stay at home. They were 
focused on, on just families. And there became kind of this divide in the church between the women who work, right, in professional roles now, which is what I had, versus those women who stayed at home with their families. And, and a lot of church was still very focused on these women who stayed at home, got married, even if they had a college education, stayed at home with their families. And they were the ones that the church held up as the epitome of womanhood. And so it was, it was hard to find my way in both spaces. It was hard to find my way as a professional businesswoman because some of the men did not want me. It was also hard to find my way in the church because I was kind of an anomaly, especially as I continued to work. And after I had a family, I continued to work. And so it was like, okay, you know, they could understand maybe working when I was single or maybe working when I was married with love children, but they couldn't understand in the church how I could work once I had kids. And so there was this, you know, there was this, this limited amount of acceptance I felt there. I felt more acceptance in the business world, honestly, than I did in the church world at that point. So how did you get through that? Well, how I got through it is just, you know, I, I knew the path that God had called me on. And, and I knew I could do both because I'm a high energy person. So it was, it was never a question of, of do I work or have a family? You know, and as, as you're aware, because you're my daughter, <laughs> I've had two only children, 15 years apart. So I was always able to combine the career, you know, and the family. So I never felt like I was sacrificing. I never felt like my children were sacrificing. I, I love my children wildly, you included, of course. And, you know, I love my career wildly. So I just continued. And then, and then people, you know, over the course of years, there was a subtle shift, it, even in the way the church viewed working women. It was like, all of a sudden it became okay. And, and because society became less of a one income family and more of a you need two incomes to survive anyway you know there came a tipping point where you know the women in the in the workforce the married women with children in the workforce you know now exceeded those who were really choosing to stay home and it was primarily driven out of economic necessity but nonetheless i think it was very you know it, it's it, it created a tipping point to where it was no longer such an anomaly or such a such a difference so now i'd like to turn to the present time and ask you what company are you working at now oh well, i work for the ken blanchard companies as, as a director of global client solutions and i've been there for 25 years so for people who aren't in the business world what is a director for client solutions yeah, well, so what I do is I work with Fortune 100 companies who are headquartered here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Many of those Fortune 100 companies, as you could guess, would have global operations. So what I do is I sell them leadership training solutions that help their people lead at a higher level. It, it creates better leaders and organizations so that people can impact the performance of those who report to them. Wow, that's really awesome. So what leadership opportunities have you had in your job? Well, some of the leadership opportunities I've had are really client facing. I, I, I was a sales manager at one point. I had 25 people reporting to me, 14 of whom reported to me through a sales supervisor, 
So I've had sales, I've had direct sales, leadership responsibilities, but I think the, the, the piece that I've enjoyed the most is I've had sales leadership responsibilities with my clients. In other words, I've been able to reach out, work with my clients in a real collaborative and partnering way to create some very innovative solutions that are going to impact their specific needs for leadership development. So it's been pretty exciting and pretty impactful. And probably the, the thing I'm most proud of in my career is my work with Nissan. We did a ROI study, that's return on investment study, on our SL2 leadership framework. And we ascertained through that study that the, that the work we did had a 452% ROI. And so that's pretty darn impressive for, um, you know, what goes on in terms of quantifying the results for leadership development. Absolutely. And it's just so interesting to hear your entire journey all the way up to being so successful as a woman in business. So to end the podcast, I would like to ask, what advice would you give to young women who want to get into business? Well, I think the, it's the same advice I would give to everybody. You know, you've, you've got to know what you want. You've got to go after it. And then you have to execute. And by execute, I mean hard work. You need to be disciplined. You need to show up and stay longer than other people. You need to have the drive that it takes to success. In other words, don't, don't ever stop. Believe in yourself because other people won't necessarily believe in you, but you need to just believe in yourself. You need to create, an op- you need to create opportunities for yourself. Never be shy about asking your leader for additional responsibilities and opportunities. Continue to grow yourself, stretch yourself, put yourself out there in a really big way and you are going to be successful, but never give up because you are responsible for your own success and nobody is going to hand it to you on a silver platter. You're going to have to fight tooth and nail for it every single step of the way. But trust me, it's worth the fight because the rewards that the client relationships I have, the impact I've been able to have on people's professional lives and on people's personal lives is absolutely a phenomenal reward for a life well lived. Awesome. I love that so much. All right. This has been the podcast. Thank you so much, mom, for joining the first podcast. I'm so excited to do this. And thanks so much for coming on. Aw, thank you for having me, sweetie. Thanks for watching Keeping It Cool with Vicki Coolidge. See you guys next time.